Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey. Joined this week by Pierce. Hey guys, and also joined by Dave. So Pierce and Dave have been into this thing for a while that I'm not particularly into, but hey, to each their own. It's their lifestyle. Um, they like to beer to brew beer. <laughs> they like to beer brew. Beer brew. Yeah, it works. We're gonna beer well. brew. They they did some earlier tonight, and they're gonna talk about it. So this is kind of like the Pokemon episode, wherein I know nothing, nor yep. care not much about the subject, so I will hang back and make jokes. Well, you like beer. You like to drink beer. I like some beer. Well, I mean, yeah, do we want to talk about that first? Kind of talk about beer itself, what we drink. I mean, we're... You we're mean fear right? itself. Fear itself. <laughs> the only thing we have to beer is beer itself. <laughs> it's the only thing we have. That's a great bumper sticker. We're a great teacher. <laughs> who said that quote? Uh, FDR, I believe. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a T-shirt with FDR. This is the only thing we have to beer is beer itself. So I'm not huge into beer. I like my Belgian whites and Hogarten, right? Hogarten, um, Stella Peroni, which is Italian, but it's close. Uh, Blue Moon, that kind of stuff. I'm more of a, a liquor guy than I am a, a beer guy. But you guys are big into beers, into IPAs, and double IPAs, triple IPAs, all the IPAs. And well, that's more me. All the I's and the PAs. Yeah, well, and just mostly the PAs. APAs are fine. I don't even mind an IPL <laughs> if it's done right. You know, Magic Magic Hats is pretty good. Um, what is that, Dreamweaver yes. or whatever? So, I'm into IPAs. I used to be into Stouts. Guinness used to be my favorite beer. And then, I don't know what happened one day, but I was like... You're like, oh, this is bread. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I eat enough of this already. This is bread in a can. Bread <laughs> Canned bread. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to shift away from that. Then it was like all IPAs all the time, which it still mostly is. Like right now, I think we're all drinking unless Dave finishes already. Oh, of course I did. Of course he did. I'm drinking County Line IPA by Nishami Creek. Dave was drinking the Oktoberfest can, which that's new this year that it comes in cans. It is. Jordan, you're drinking what? Red's Apple Ale? Or what, what is it? I put, the, I put the mic right up to uh, my mouth so I can see if it was... Yeah. But it's red strawberry ale, so strawberry it's... Strawberry ale. It's uh, apple and strawberry. Okay. That's pretty good. I generally try to stay away from apple drinks, alcoholic or non, because they tend to mess with my stomach, but this is good, and I don't care too much. And and that's actually, yeah, that one's my sister's, like, my dad and I kind of mostly have the same taste in beer. He drinks mostly Rebel, which is uh, another Sam Adams one, so he's a lot of IPAs as well. And, you know, I kind of break into other things. I like reds. I like, you know, uh, strong ales, barley wines, all the nasty stuff most people don't normally drink. Except for sours. I hate sours. Oh, my word, do I hate sours. But I, I'll let Dave go. And... I drink all the beers. Yeah. it's yeah. True story. <laughs> yeah. What do you I, have? A, do you have a specific type you enjoy? Uh, or? A specific we have not been drinking a lot we have literally had less than or one can at this yes. point per person we just can't talk um you like lots of specific beers you were starting um, it to really depends on what type of mood i'm in like that day lately i've actually been drinking ed pierce would call them crappier beers um i yeah. have been going to the gym a lot more i've been watching my calories so i've been drinking Michelob ultra oh i didn't know it was that bad 
Uh, Again, it's still not that bad of a beer. But, okay, alright. This goes back to what you were saying a couple days ago. Be- uh, uh, types of beer and them being bad or good are subjective. Yes. That was a whole conversation where... Well, it comes down to taste, so it's literally... Well, no, I, someone was like, you know, talking about sours, and someone was like, what do they taste like? And I was like, nasty and disgusting. And they're like, well, that's wrong. I'm like, it's called an opinion. Opinions aren't wrong. Like, you can't be wrong in an opinion. So I don't think they were saying you were wrong. They're oh, saying no, that no. sounds wrong. He was he was flat out saying I was wrong. But so. he didn't know what they tasted like. But he no, he knows no, no, no. This was a different person. Oh, this, okay. was, this is in a group conversation. Your so. pronoun usage is Sorry. failing. Yes, 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 and it really goes down to yes. There are bad beers. There are good beers. Just like there's bad food and good food. I wouldn't go to McDonald's eat a cheeseburger and say, "Hey, this is really great food." It's food. It's not really great food. Some people argue with me even on that. Some beers are good, some beers are bad. Well, but then also, like, we have, like, this is a Cheney shout-out. Cheney loves what is Iceman, like, that's the Cheney thing. Cheney loves sours. Cheney, like, that's his thing, and I, like, I, sours are feet to me. They are disgusting. Sours are, for people that don't know what they are that are listening, sours are Like beer. me. Yeah, sours yeah, I've never are heard of this before. beers that have been brewed, and when you be- brew a beer, you try to do things very clean, you try to make sure there's no bacteria in your fermenter, you try to make sure there's no bacteria in your bottles upon bottling. Sours are beers that... Screw that, that. let's just brew. Exactly. Sours are brews beard... (laughs) Brews beard... Beers brewed. brewed. There we go. Yeah, no, seriously. Just keep all this in. No, (laughs) sours are beers that are brewed specifically with gaining an infection in mind. They will be... They can be added through the yeast or they can just be left open and let active yeast cultures just migrate into the beer vat. Um, just with the intention of getting the beer infected, because some people like to drink infected beer. It has a really has different taste to it. Some of it tastes really leathery. Some of it tastes. Um, uh, I've had some yeah. that taste like straight up bile, and those are <laughs> yeah. I would like, call, I this would, is a thing that people enjoy. Like I, I the one that I had that tr- tasted like stomach bile has been deemed a bad beer. Nobody okay. that has tried it that I know has actually liked it. It's gotten ranked Which lower than PBR. <laughs> um, um, I, it was Lost Abbey Cuvée oh, okay. de Tom. Cuvée um, de Tom. Cuvée okay. de Tom. And most people that I've talked to in my little beer world have horrible things to say about Lost Abbey in general, but also have horrible things to say about that beer specifically from that specific brewery. So there, there's my bad beer. Uh, well, I mean, and normally I would say, and I hate to say this, bad beer for in my book would be what my girlfriend drinks. Uh, so, like, there was a six-pack, and I think there's still, like, five of them because my sister tried one, um, of Bud Light Platinum. Like, she bought that and brought that over one day. And, so the stuff my parents drink. Yeah, no, drink. seriously. Like, and, like, she <laughs> didn't touch it all, and it just sat there because no one was going to touch it in my house because... Yeah, my mom doesn't really drink, my sister doesn't drink too much, except for what my dad and I drink and then make her try kind of thing, so it just kind of sat there. That's bad brew for, uh, beer for me. See, Bud, Budweiser as a whole is bad beer for me just because of their business ethics, but their beer is actually pretty Well, that's, but that's a different story entirely. So you were saying about, you said a bunch of, you know, science beer words. Do we want to kind of explain the process of brewing? And, like, what, you know, open brewing and yeasty cultures mean and all yeah, that Yeah, so stuff. just basically, what are the yeah. what are the basic steps well, of you, brewing beer? The basic <laughs> steps of brewing beer are, I mean, they're pretty easy, um, but they can also be screwed up pretty, 
pretty quickly. You take your you take your grains, you put your grains in what looks like at least when you're doing like a small batch like me and Pierce do, we do five gallon batches. You take your grains, you, they, you put them in what looks like a cheesecloth sock and tie a little knot in it. And it's almost like a giant tea bag. You steep that for a little bit. You take that out. You add all your um, add all your like malts and everything like that into the boil. What's a malt? A malt is it's. I mean, a malt is like a grain, but like for our malts are like different types of grains. Like usually, if you do what they call an all grain brew, um, all this stuff is just steeped together and allowed to like let all the like sugars and everything that extract from the malts. The malts are actually what carries the sugars in the beer. That's what the yeast feeds off of. That's what um, the yeast feeds off of and creates the byproduct of alcohol in your beer. Um, some, when you do an all-grain brew, all the malts are just a more cracked grain, and it takes a longer time for the hot water to naturally draw out the sugars in it before you put it in your, what they call a wort, which is the beer before like you pitch the yeast in there, and it ferments into actual beer. Um, what we do is we, it's called an extract brew. You have your specialty grains that are used specifically for flavor, and then you have your malt extracts, ones in a powder, and the other ones in almost like a molasses-type form. Those are your sugars that you feed into the, into the wort, and after you pitch your yeast into the fermenter, that's what the yeast will feed off of, produce CO2, produce alcohol. That's where you get your alcohol in your beer. So you've got your liquid mixture, you've steeped the uh, <coughs> the grains. grains, you've added the malts, now do you add the yeast or is that later? Well then you add the hops, you add your hop snacks, hop is <coughs> a bittering flavoring agent, we also were talking about hops earlier tonight, that's, um, we found a really scientific explanation for why everybody feels so good when they drink beer. It's um, in the cannabinoid family. Hops are in the cannabinoid family, they don't contain THC like marijuana does, but they contain something called, and I think, it, I want to pronounce it right, lupinol. That is it lupinol or lupinin? Lupin, I, I think it's actually lupinin. It is lupinin. Lupinin, that sounds, yeah. That, um, and it actually creates a mild, like, euphoric, like a happy um, feeling when you're drinking beer. Beers that are more heavily hopped contain more of this. So IPAs contain a lot of it. And this is why when you drink beer, as opposed to other alcohols, you're happy and more outgoing. And actually, I don't know if that stands true across all people. It doesn't stand true across all people, but beer, like usually the beer, like a beer buzz is more of a happy buzz than uh, as opposed to like a whiskey buzz, which is an angry buzz. And there's people that know more about brewing probably listening to this while I'm speaking. They're like, he is completely wrong. Well, it just goes more to the individual person than yes. anything yeah. else. It, it exemplifies your personality. I'm a happy, flirty drunk. Yes. I'm not an angry drunk. I'm an angry sober You are sober very person. touchy. Yes. You are very touchy when you drink. <laughs> I am a, am, I am a angry, sober person. Yes. But that's about it. <laughs> as am I. So yeah, you put your hops in, then you put your yeast in. Then it all sits for about a month. Um, so we've seeped the grains. We've added malt. We've added hops. hops, and then we've added yeast. Yes, and okay. after you add your hops, you let it cool down to about 70 degrees, you add your yeast, and that's really... Well, what temperature is it before the 70? It's, a, it's at a boil, so... Oh, you're boiling, okay. You boil everything. It's, this is like making tea, but extreme. <laughs> extreme it, it is like, tea! That is, the, that is the best way I can describe it, is it's extreme tea making. You'll buy the entire seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So you boil it, you, then you bring down temperature, which is about 70 degrees, you add your yeast... Then you close it up for what we use, they call a primary fermenter. It's a five-gallon bucket. You close your bucket, you put the lid on it, 
It's, um, it's really like one of those paint buckets. Yeah, yeah, yeah really I can picture it. It's it's sterilized, but it is basically a glorified paint bucket. Then it sits for about a week and a half as it ferments at around seventy degrees. At around seventy degrees, yes, and sits for a bit as it ferments, and then you transfer it to a secondary fermenter, which is glass. It really does nothing but uh, clarify everything in there. I'm but, assuming that lets light in or something. Or um, you actually don't want to let light in. It's really the glass. Yeah. Just um, you're just letting you're like agitating stuff a little bit. You're letting it resettle, and it just clarifies the. Clarifies the beer a little bit more. Yeah, light um, is the enemy of beer. Light is the I, enemy I'd, of beer. I'd imagine so, but I was trying to think of the reason between plastic and glass. Um, you can do a secondary fermenter that's plastic. Some people just use... And I'm assuming you have to use, like, food-safe plastics, because some yeah, plastics can be Yeah, it's all food-safe plastic, and that's yeah, another exactly. reason why they do, like, some of them, most of them in glass, too, because glass is very easy to sterilize. Never, um... Wood like a barrel. You can't. That would be after your like initial like fermentation or anything. Like that yeah. usually when they do like a barrel aged beer, they take bourbon barrels and people even take wine. Right. Barrels. So you've got the you've got the right bourbon now, yeah. that's seeped into the barrel. Yeah. Or, or what was the the wine aged one? I had that for the first time. That was yeah, that they, was okay. They do it like in, they'll do it in different wine barrels. Anything any sort of wooden barrel like they've done it in sherry barrels. Just any sort of like wooden barrel used for distilling or fermenting. That soaked up a little bit of the alcohol and pair it with like a beer that might pair well with it. But for our intents and purposes, we're using glass um, because it's sterile and we're not really trying to bourbon bar- barrel or wine barrel no, age anything. Please no. So don't have any barrels yeah. sitting around. We also so. don't. They're actually very they're expensive. So expensive. Yeah, I imagine. So. If you want That's a whiskey barrel, it costs you about like about three hundred dollars for a used whiskey barrel. Wow. Um, yeah. We're going for a full size barrel or for, for like a full size barrel. Okay. For, yeah. Well, so when you think about it, and that's got to be a genius profit on there. And what are we going to do with all these used barrels? Let's sell them to beer people because they will actually buy them and you know soak up all the. We'll see a very interesting point in that is you about like five years ago you could get an old whiskey barrel for now it would seem next to nothing. You can get it for yeah. about seventy five bucks, and since the beer industry has created such a demand for them, it has skyrocketed to around three hundred dollars for a used whiskey or bourbon barrel. Just Which, because of that demand. That's genius on, like, the whiskey end. Like, well, it's supply and demand. Well, no, <laughs> they but... Saw, it, they saw demand, so... They, yeah, you know. well, but it's it's just... It's, like, everything now is profit for them. Like, oh. even the barrel is going to end up being This is true, because the barrel... Before that would be something they would try to sell as a novelty, or something yeah. they want to make furniture, or something like that. Now they're creating a very handsome profit. Well, they'll have a chair that smelled like whiskey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I could just remind myself of it all the time. Because no, they wouldn't really use the barrel after they, like, you know, charred it and aged whiskey in it. They would just kind of discard it. They don't get to, they can't reuse them? Um, it would take on the, it would make the whiskey, um, especially if you're doing a blended whiskey, and we're getting into whiskeys, it would get, it would take, it would take on different, like, flavor profiles again, like. Right, but couldn't they use that to their advantage, or? Um, they could, but for specific, like, if you have, like, bigger brands that aren't doing, like, single barrel aged ones. They want everything to be consistent. They want everything to be consistent, sure. they want to be more uniform, so they, like, purposely blend them all to get that uniform taste. And yeah, so you stick it in the primary fermenter. About two weeks after that, it's ready to be bottled. You add a little bit of sugar in there. So you did the primary ferment. You you transferred it to the glass for the secondary ferment. Yes. So that was about a week in between the first Yeah, it's about a week in between each one of them. And then two more weeks after you switch to the glass. Yeah. And then you're switching to bottles. Now what happens when you switch it to a bottle? You just fill it up. You you actually heat up some sugar. It's called priming sugar. This actually reactivates the yeast a little bit. This is where you get your final level of alcohol content. And when yeast is, like, consuming sugar, it gives off two byproducts. One is CO2, one is alcohol. <laughs> yeah, you learned that the hard way, didn't you? I did learn that the hard way. The first time <laughs> I did this, my primary fermenter exploded. Oh, nice. <laughs> it didn't blow outwards, it just blew upwards. The 
um, the beer actually blew the lid off of it and soaked my whole closet in beer. <laughs> so do you have to like put in a, a, a vent of some type, or do yeah, you, just you have usually to open you it just, every once in a you while. You just let it like you put it on lightly at first, um, just because it gets, especially when you're brewing a higher alcohol volume beer, um, it's more sugar in that for the yeast to consume, which makes more CO two as a byproduct, also making more pressure in your uh, in your fermenter. Because yeast is a living creature that yes. is, is, is eating the, the sugar. Are you buying yeast from a specific provider? Because I know, like, yeah. yeasts are an industry in of themselves in that, you know, it's one, is basically, you basically clone yeast, right? Is yeah. my thing on the right stuff? So you, you sometimes go to places that have, like, a specific batch of yeast they've been using for 500 years. Yeah. I'm assuming that's not what you guys are no, doing. No, it's yeah, not. And, most... and all yeasts react differently, too. So, yeah. Right. yeah. We use the, we actually bought a from kits right now. They come with, like, the correctly paired yeast for that. Um, you can obviously make be- beers taste very different with different types of yeast. We just use the ones that are correct for it because it's a little bit easier right now. We're still in the very infant stages of learning how to brew beer. And are, for the bottling, are you buying used bottles? Are you just buying clean, empty bottles? Or? We, make, well, you, we make bottles. Yeah, I was about to say, like, and the first time it was really, I, I was like, hey, Dad, can I have all of these bottles that you well, I remember when that was happening. Yeah, 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 so we pretty much just grabbed all my dad's bottles. But um, so We like to drink beer. We empty our own bottles. We take the labels off. We sanitize them, yeah. and then we refill them with other beer. That's that's the least fun part, is, all, is scrubbing all the bottles. Yes. So, yeah. But other than that, yeah. It's, it's about two weeks, we'll each get... Because we usually do, like, something that yields about two cases. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pierce will take 24 bottles. I'll take 24 bottles. We'll take them home to our respective places. We'll clean them up, and then we'll bring them back on bottling day to sanitize them all and fill them with beer after the beer's been... Uh, after the priming sugar's been added, which, again, the priming sugar just... Reactivates the yeast. Reactivates yeah. the yeast, helps the CO2 production. Once you cap it, that's where you get your carbonation in um, at least bottled beers. Yeah. And now, screw top, pop top, like, is there a, we do pop make top. a different? Okay. Yeah. So do you have to buy new tops, or do you just recrimp the old ones? You have to buy new tops. Tops are very, tops are really I expensive. wouldn't imagine they were very expensive. Oh, you get, a, like, a whole bag for, like... But you need, like, a specific stuff. bottling machine, mm-hmm. or sometimes it's like a little capping machine? Yeah, it looks, it almost looks like a wine opener. It's a little bit bigger. It's I can picture like, it, sure. It swings, like, and you just crimps things down. Yeah. You can get... So it, does it come <clears> flat, they kind of come almost like mushroomed out, like you have the top that you would normally see, and the ridges on it are actually kind of like pushed out a little bit. So it looks like when you open it, how it, like the one edge tilts out, but all the way around. So how do you get an airtight seal? It does the, because if it's still producing carbon dioxide... That, that device... Okay, I'm, think, I'm thinking a negative seal, but this is a positive seal. Then. Yes, sure, exactly. Okay. Um, now, the, the other thing, and this is what we did with the first, the first thing we brewed was uh, Russian Imperial Stout. And I know you and I have talked about it, it kind of tastes a little different. I wonder if that explosion is what actually made it taste a little different. Um, it tasted pretty on point with any Russian Imperial I've had. Yeah. As beers age, the different flavor profiles come out in them. Yes. Um, hops, after like, we, I still have like a bottle or two left in my fridge from um, from the first thing we do. As they get older, hop, Oh, do you still have a couple? Yeah. Okay. The hop character greatly falls away. And, um, it, and it, the hops are kind of bitter, right? Yeah. So and the that's, thing I don't like about IPAs. Well, and that's actually the thing I love about IPAs. Yeah, but it, like you said, they it kind of dissipates, and it has this interesting wraparound. So, like, there's this one brewery. Uh, I always get the because th- there's three breweries around us. One's Flying Fish, which we've been to their brewery. It was I very cool. Oh, um, me and Jordan have. Yes, you. Oh, was with you? Yeah. Um, Dogfish Head and Flying Dog. And I always get the... Yeah, it's really... That's really confusing. It's really confusing. But um, Dogfish Head 
Nine, yeah, 60, 90, 120? That's, no. 60. It's Dogfish Head, though, right? Yeah, it's Dogfish okay. Head. Yeah, dogfish I don't head. understand what you guys are saying. Okay. So Dogfish Head. Because like I said, there's three, whatever it Yeah, so there's, there's, they have three IPAs. Well, they have several, but there are three kind of big ones are 60, 90, and 120 minutes. Um, and so that just kind of reflects their APV, which is alcohol by volume, um, which... You said ABV. It sounded like yes. APV. No, I said I, ABV. I was assuming you meant a- alcohol per volume, which but would be basically no, 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 the no, same no. thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, PB... Blah, 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 blah. J. Yeah, you think, <laughs> you think with my name that I would be able to distinguish the letters. Um, but anyway, uh, so... Pierce's last name starts with B. Yeah. Because that's what sense for anybody. Yeah. Uh, which makes him and I PB&J. Yeah, exactly. PB&J. Uh, like and Dave. Um, yeah. PB&J and Dave. PB&J and Dave. Uh, so basically, if that ref- reflects that. And usually you can tell with I, uh, IPAs how hoppy something is by the ABV. So, you know, 60, which is 6% roughly, is not going to be as hoppy as 90 minute, which is 9%. You know, so that's going to be a lot happier. And, but when you get to 120 minute, it's interesting. It doesn't even taste like a regular IPA anymore. It tastes more akin to a barley wine, which I don't even know how barley wines are made. I don't even. I'm assuming know. barley. I would guess that, but um, it actually kind of really changes, and the hoppiness falls away. And actually, as you age it, it actually tastes better. And that's really what I want to do with our imperial, because when you get to that level, it's really an imperial, and you start getting ABV above 10 percent. Which I'm assuming that's what ours is going to. Ours know? is going to be about eight percent. Oh, it's going to end up at an eight. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, so if you store it, the ABV goes up, but it totally changes, especially with the IP. That is not true. No. What? Once you are done fermenting, once you are done bottling, bottle conditioning, which is when you're adding the priming sugar in there, the ABV will not go up. Really? Okay. The yeast has no more food, therefore it's it then lays dormant. And therefore, it doesn't produce any more alcohol or CO2. Hmm. Fair enough. Sure, that's why they don't explode. So, if adding more priming sugar doesn't increase the ABV, what what does? Adding the initial sugar? Well, adding the initial sugar. No, adding adding the priming. And that sugar, was the malt, right? Was the initial sugar? Yeah, the initial sugars are in the malts. Um, adding priming sugar when you bottle it does increase the ABV. But I was saying that's incorrect. But Pierce was saying as you let beer sit and age, it will gain alcohol by volume. It will not after the Priming sugar in the bottles, which priming sugar is usually just used for small bottling, like people like Dogfish and everything. They don't do that. They do like all grain because they're a large company. Um, all their sugars are in the malts, and once and it goes fairly streamlined from like fermenting to bottling. It's all in there at once. They have their own science to calculate how like how much malt is going to produce this X amount of like alcohol by volume. Um, but once it's in the bottles, once it's out on the production line on the shelves. That's as much alcohol as it's going to contain. So for beer, at least as we've discussed it, there's no distilling involved. No, there's no it's distilling. It's just brewing involved. and fermenting. Which is why it's legal to make beer in your house. Um, it's still illegal. It's actually illegal in some southern states to still produce beer like in your home, but it's also not like distilling. Um, you're not... You're not going to burn everything down. You're not going to... I mean, well, you could if you're really bad. If you're really <laughs> dumb. But then, like... You can do that making dinner. I was about to say, like, it's the equivalent of you burn your house down making pasta. Yeah, so. you're not making a controlled substance, um, like moonshine or anything like that. Something that is very flammable in your house, so there's less, um... There's less laws on it. You just, you know, can't... Can't well, bottle and, it. And it varies, of course, state to state, yeah. but... And, and that's even still more of a recent development, um... 
one of our friends, Brandon. Uh, I think Brandon's been on before. I can't remember. Kevin's brother, Brandon? Kevin's yeah, brother. Yeah, he's been on. Yeah. Uh, he, it's been like a, over a year, but yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, it's been a long time. Uh, he is actually a big proponent. So he lives in D.C. and all, all political and D.C. stuff. But he actually, um, you know, is a big proponent of microbrew rights and stuff like that. And, you know, my understanding is that Jimmy Carter was actually the first person to really... I forget what exactly happened, but he was the one that kind of made things possible for people to microbrew, because before that... Because he wanted to try peanut wine? Peanut. Actually, I'm kind of wondering how peanuts ferment. I'm actually interested in that. They have a lot of sugars in them, so... Yeah, that would be very interesting. Um, <laughs> Can you get chunky and smooth? <laughs> <laughs> Unfiltered, I guess? Yeah, there you go. Um, peanut wine. Oh, that just sounds... Ch- uh, chunky peanut wine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> chunky peanut wine is totally the quote for this episode. <laughs> Thus far. Unless Thus something far. takes its place. Chunky peanut wine. Oh, man. But, I'm uh, the biggest purveyor of three peanut wine in the <laughs> I'm more in a cashew beer myself. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, 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 best in show. Uh. <laughs> No, just imagine that all the nuts he's naming are instead he's saying wines and beards and whiskeys. And such. I kind of just want to watch a whole movie of him doing that. Okay, so, yeah. Pistachios, and... red pistachio nuts. <laughs> Hall and Pepper, you stop naming nuts. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, it's, a, it's a movie about a dog show, you'll love it. You'll love it, Russ, you'll love it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so as far as my understanding, yeah, Jimmy Carter, I, forget, I don't know exactly what he passed, but it allowed microbrewing to, to really flourish, and, you know, and before that it was all the same thing that, you know, well, that's still pretty much industry standard, Miller, Bud, all that stuff, but now we have tons of microbreweries, you know, you can go to a liquor store and the beer section is just as large as the wine section, you know. It's getting there. So, There's actually one they just announced like six months ago, I think they kickstarted it, is going to be opening up in my hometown. Really? Um, yeah, I, I told you this. It was a while ago. It's going to be called uh, Reckless Town, I believe, oh, is the name right. of the brewery, because yeah, that was right. the original name of the town I live in, until they realized, well, Reckless Town seems like a really terrible name for a town. It seems kind of reckless. I, I, I don't know. I would live in Reckless Town. I believe it was named after, like, John Reckless or something yeah. like that. But yeah, so they changed the name uh, years, many years before I was born. Are you born. sure it's not Recluse Town, because it's in the middle of nowhere? No, it's, it's Reckless Town. <laughs> but so that's going to be the name of the brewery, I believe, which okay. is kind of cool. And it's like our across-the-woods neighbor is one of the guys who's starting it, so should be real close to I will house. come visit that. <laughs> I was about to say, I'll yeah. definitely check that out, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what else there really is. Well, I've got another question, yeah, some yeah. of my dumb introductory questions, but, okay, so I understand distilling, I understand now, or at least the basics of the beer. What is the difference between that and wine? Is wine just that it's specifically grapes, and it's basically the beer process, or is there a distilling there, or? Um, wine is more akin to beer making, whereas you're not distilling, you're fermenting. Uh, and I'm not super versed in winemaking. I'm also not super versed in distilling. I probably don't, I don't know a ton about the distilling process. Me neither, but I understand the um, science of how it works. Yeah. You know. Wine is more... I understand beer. how evaporation you, um, works. You take your wine, you know, your crushed grapes, everything like that, you add your water, um, and you add your yeast. And the yeast use the, uses the grapes as its fuel. Exactly. It uses the, it uses the natural sugars in the grapes. Um, and the molds on the grapes, because lots of times they're specifically going for that, I, yes. I believe. Um the only difference with wine is unless you're doing a sparkling wine, you're not really going to do, like, you know, you don't really do a priming sugar in, like, your bottles because you, because wine's flat. Right. You want it to... Oh, so that's another reason for the priming sugar. Pri- yeah, priming sugar in your bottles. That's why you're doing it specifically at bottling when you're doing something smaller like we How do. How you get that seal? It 
It, no, it helps you get the CO2. It gets, which it which gets, helps you get the, a seal in the bottle. No, there's actually a little like membrane on the top of the cap that get, gives you the seal. The CO2 is specifically just for the carbonation. Uh, I understand what you're saying, yeah. but the CO2 is also going to help you give a positive pressure on that seal, which is going to help hold it in place, like a can or something. That's when you open a can and it, pss, yeah. you know, that that's what I'm talking about. Seal. I understand what you mean about seal, yeah. but I mean like the air tightness, um, the air pressure of it specifically. I mean, I could yeah, be wrong, will, but I yeah. think I'm. I mean, it'll it'll make that seal regardless of the CO2. Um, that's why you know you have that when you open it because it's all the gas escaping. You have that so you in turn have that seal before you put the cap. Once you put the cap on, before the CO2 actually generates in the bottle. And are so those the three basic pillars, if you will, of alcohol brewing or making in general: beer, wine, and liquor. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I know you have sake, which is rice wine, or mead, which is honey wine, which is delicious. And you can really break it down into just two pillars, which is just fermenting and distilling. Like, beer and wine are fermented, they use yeast to activate, and like that. I mean, I'm pretty sure in distilling you use a yeast to activate it, but you just distill it in a different way. But, like, the difference between them is, like, beer and wine, like, you use the yeast, and the yeast is what, like produces the alcohol content, and you don't really go past that. Distilling is, like, you have that alcohol content there, and you distill everything else away to make purer alcohol. Now, how many times have you two... Well, I'm assuming, have you, has every time you've done the home brews, you've done them together? Yes. Yeah. How many times have you done this now? It's our second time together. Yeah, I've done sure, a couple... Sure. I've done you just did one earlier today, yes. to, to yeah. be clear. Um, what was... You talked about it briefly, but we kind of breezed over it. What, what was the, uh, the finished result the first time? And, and I should ask before that... How long do you wait after you bottle it before you drink it? Is it as soon as you want, or...? It's about two weeks before you can drink it. That's okay, so it... a week between the first and second uh, batch, or not batch, but uh, for mention, then two weeks, and then yes. you bottle it, and then another two weeks. Yes, so it's about like a, almost a month and a half total. And, and what were the results of your first... And you said it was a Russian Imperial style? Russian yeah. Which I don't know yeah. that I've ever had, but... Yeah, I mean, it was it was good. That was actually, the I think, the tail end of when I was in the stouts, so that yeah. was... Uh, it turned out really good, and like Dave said, he actually still has some, so, you know, it changes the flavor profile. I think we broke it out after, what, like a year? Yeah. And it kind of had changed its flavor. Like, it was it was solid. Why so, do I seem to remember one experiment you guys did that ended poorly? Like, it just tasted terrible. I thought I remember I what you guys talking about. That, that was Brandon's beer. Oh, okay. Oh, did Brandon try one? Brandon tried a beer. He did, like, a small, like home kit there's like small like gallon batches oh, you yeah, can do that. and um they're almost like all in one things like you ha- like it's almost like everything's condensed down into a powder like you have your your grain like your grain your malts like everything's ground down to a nice little powder you throw it in like a like little thing that looks like a keg kind of like that root beer thing sitting on Pierce's desk um and it's got a little tap on it you let it sit for like 3 weeks and you have beer okay um, and I mean, they're not bad, but they just, um, they don't have much flavor to them. They don't, it's like, it's just kind of a novelty thing. You buy them for like 50 bucks at like Bed Bath & Beyond and there and you, you go. you can say you've made your own. And, and yeah. how many beers did you say you made in your batches approximately? Two cases? Yeah, it makes about Two cases, 48? Yeah. About how expensive is it to, beginning to end, to make 48 bottles of beer? Well, and I guess we don't count the bottles, right? Because that's, uh, I mean, even you'd have them eventually. You'd, you'd have them count anyway. the bottles, um. I mean, for the startup, it's a little more. It's about like 120 for the kit, and then uh, like the actual kit, like with the, the containers for fermenting and everything like that. The batch, like the ingredients, cost about 60, mm-hmm. and then if you want to add bottles in, that's maybe like another 12 for a cake for like 48 bottles. Um, so like 72 bucks, and that's like the biggest thing. I had a conversation with the guy when I actually bought the kit. Pierce wasn't there. Like 
you really make your money back in that, in the sense, like, you go out and buy the beer that we're brewing right now, you buy yeah. two cases of it um, for an 8% ABV um, Imperial IPA, you, it's probably going to run you about, like, 70 or 80 bucks a case for, like, a good Imperial IPA. So you're looking at almost, like, $160 for two cases. We made two cases, like, minus, like, you know, not including, like, time and stuff like that, for roughly around $75. I thought you said about 200 did you say it was 120 plus 60? Well, that's... So that's, that's like, you know, the startup for, like, the fermenter. For the startup. So, like, yeah. the first batch is going to cost you about 200 but after yeah. that, each batch is going to cost about what? Like, 65, 70 bucks. 65, okay. So and, and so, and we split that cost. So right, sure. Yeah. And it was an experiment and a fun thing to do. Yeah. Well, and that I'm was, assuming. Yeah. I don't know. And, and so, like, he, he's absolutely right in that, yeah, because it's a beer that normally costs a lot more and usually is about... 10 bucks for a four pack because a lot of times yeah. uh, Imperials don't even come in six packs, they only come in four. Uh, or just in what's called bombers, which I think are 750, right? 22 ounces. Yep. Um, so, you know, usually you can't get a case of an Imperial like that, especially for anything cheap or anywhere close to that. So it's really. And what's so expensive about it? It's just the process. It's, yeah. um, it's more expensive, like, like anything else, like ingredients wise, like give like a more expensive meal, like per se, like you have a more expensive grain bill. You use like, not like rarer grains, just like grains that are like more labor intensive to harvest. Um, okay. They're more, they're mixed differently. You use a from different, different of, places. From different places, yeah. a different type of yeast and just all that type of stuff. Um, and it's like sometimes a little more involved process. You use a little more sugar for a higher alcohol content beer. So like all that factors into like the production costs and like the o- overall like retail costs of these beers. And that's why it's kind of fun to do at home. Like, you know, you're getting like you're getting essentially beer you made, um, a type of beer you made that you like for a little bit less than you would go into a store and pick up a case of it for, and you can show it to all your friends and be like, "Here, try this beer." I'm and you can customize it. I assume. Exactly. Yeah. Like, can you add like spices or? Oh yeah, yeah. wood. This or... time we actually we took a case. We took a ba- we took a base ingredients kit, and we actually added like a slightly different hop bill to the uh, thing. We added a third type of hops to it. Uh, just to give it like a little more citrusy, slightly more bitter type taste to it. But could you add like say like cinnamon or paprika or oh, other spices? Yeah. You know, and you, you, where would you be yeah. adding that? Would you be adding that with the malt, or would you be, You'd be adding, adding that, that with usually like the grain boil? The um, grain, it, so the orig- the initial like tea bag we're talking yes, about. Yes, okay. the initial tea bagging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's and it's actually interesting. I I did read an article just recently where a lot of those ingredients just got freed up to... So basically, before, any brewery that wanted to sell their beer had to get their, I guess, formula recipe... Recipe is probably the right word. uh, Approved by the FDA. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, but a lot of the ingredients now don't have to be approved anymore. So things just like you mentioned, like cinnamon, like orange peel, they don't have to be approved anymore because it's a basic ingredient. It's not like, you know, something more complex or anything like that. And so, yeah, it it actually allows people to try a lot more different things. I think that's the, the right way of saying it. And you can add them to your brew... Um, I mean, there's like no right, there is a right or wrong way to, but you can experiment and add them to your brew wherever yeah. you want. If you do it at the very beginning when you have like that ball of grain, um, it's at the finish, it's going to be a little bit lighter on flavor. There's people like if you put orange peels in it, you put orange peels in it I while you're putting it peels, yeah. in like the secondary fermentation process where there's, where the beer's already beer, a very raw sense of beer, there's alcohol in it already. You drunk, you dump, you dump orange peels in there. 
there's going to be the natural sugars in the orange peel, but there's also the solvent quality of the alcohol, which is going to pull more of the orange oils out of there and give you a very, like, front-heavy orange And taste. would you be just dumping them in, or would you be using another, like, tea bag, like, cheesecloth? That, if you're doing a secondary front, you pretty much be just, like, dumping them in. You take your orange and peels... And then you strain them out later. And, yeah, yeah, let them sit, yeah. Yeah, you let... You basically, like, it's, like, more of an infusion at that point. You have your alcohol... Like in your beer, at that point you're dumping your orange peels, and you're at that point you're really like you're not even relying on the heat to like dis- diffuse so like the orange. The you're using yeah. you're using the alcohol in the beer as a natural solvent to take out the, to like almost like infuse the flavors into your beer. Yeah, uh, going back to what we were saying before about it being a, a great if you want a more expensive beer that's on the shelf, it wouldn't be worth it. Kind of like the flip side of that is if you just kind of wanted to make a lager. And just kind of wanted something more regular, you know. If it's great for a, if you want something that's more expensive on the shelf, and b, if you want to experiment more, if you want to try throwing blueberries in or orange yeah. peels or you know do the more fruit thing. Socks, socks. We actually were joking about that earlier today. So making a sour beer, strain through socks. <laughs> There's your infection right there. Yeah, I was about to say totally different yeasty cultures. <laughs> so. Um, Hey, if you want, yeah, and to infect it, there you go. So you guys are enjoying this in general so far. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Would you want to expand into things like making your own limoncello or, or different, you know, fun things to do with alcohol, like making your own, or is it mostly a beer thing for you, for you too, do you think? For me, it's mostly a beer thing. I There's just endless possibilities for me with, like, making different beers, and I'm excited. Like, eventually, we were talking about tonight, like, eventually just, like, trying to, like, up our production level, like, from, like, five gallons to, like, ten gallons, just, like, getting a bigger setup going. And then, like, you know, you do that with your initial, like, boil, and then you can break it off into smaller things and do, like, you know, we made, like, a 10-gallon boil of porter. Let's take a gallon of that and add vanilla beans to it. Let's take a gallon of that and add, like, cinnamon to it and see how that works. And just, like, you know, being able to do different things with it. And and hopefully, you know, if we get good with this, not sell or try to be a big brewery, but to see if we can get other people, you know, to chip in. Say, oh, hey, what would you guys think if we tried it with, you know, vanilla or something like that? Would you guys be interested in chipping in for that? And so that could, you know, help and get it going. And, and yeah. can also make it like a community thing, too. See what people want to try, different ideas and different things like that. So it's kind of nice that there's created, like, a, a whole community about this, you know. And so just as, like, people in gaming talk about... Um, you know, do you order things online that are cheaper, or do you buy at the local store? Kind of a conversation we were having or- earlier. There's actually a shop. local mom and pop game stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, no, <laughs> I meant more like board games and stuff like that. But like we were talking about, yeah, you can get these kits online and they're cheaper, but you're also not building the the, the beer community like you do going to the the, yeah. the store. There's one in a, a town nearby called Collingswood. You know, that's where we got the kit, that's where we, you know, get all the stuff. So there's soon to be one in Medford. Oh, is there? Yeah. Okay, did not know that, so. And it's actually a pretty, Jersey's actually a pretty big community for homebrewers, too. Well, there's um, a yeah. lot of people. There's so actually a, a lot of people, yeah. the, um, but the just like the legislation in Jersey, believe it or not, is fairly lax on homebrewing. Um, it's very strict on everything else. Strict on everything else, on but alcohol. Because well, if they can get you off the road and stay at home and do something, they're probably pretty happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. We can't sell it in like Seven Elevens, like a lot of other states. But you know, whatever. So. Not specifically, you can't. You can't buy alcohol in Seven Eleven. Well, that's exactly just to make that clear yeah. for anybody who's listening. So, like, they're lax on homebrews, but you can't, you know, go into Walmart and buy alcohol. So, like a lot of other states. But anyway, that's yeah. 
probably for the best. <laughs> if you've been to Walmart, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I was about to say, true, living in Ohio, the people that peruse the Walmart alcohol aisle suit the rest of Walmart, so that is very true. But Jersey isn't that bad. You can buy it at some supermarkets. It really just goes by towns and availability of alcohol lic- or liquor That's licenses. Yeah. Um, New Jersey just is a, l- is a little more conservative on how many liquor licenses they give out, also because of the population density of the state. Yeah. Now, uh, I probably should know more about this, but I don't actually know a lot about alcohol laws in New Jersey. It's just not something I'm particularly interested in. But, I mean, obviously you don't need a liquor license to make this homebrew, but if you did want to go to the nearest liquor store and say, hey, would you like to sell some of our homebrews, do you have to get licensing then, or do you have to... You can, I mean, they're... Like a brewer's license or something? currently passing legislation where you can... Where, like, it, it's in the works that you can directly sell to liquor stores... But up until a couple of years ago, you couldn't directly sell to liquor stores. For like a brew, like a lot of the smaller breweries now are able to do that and distribute to their own liquor stores. But before, you would have to have a middleman. You'd have to have a distributor, a distributor with a dis- an alcohol distribution license to buy your beer from you at X amount of dollars, mark it up a little bit, sell it to a liquor store that will mark it up X amount of dollars. Um, now there's actually legislation being put in pr- place where... You know, Joe Schmo beer brewer, like he's got his like small microbrewery, can directly sell to liquor stores. And I'm not exactly sure like the um, like legality of like what you have to go through to get approved for that. Um, and it sounds like it's in flux anyway, right yeah. now. So. Yeah, and and I did, and that was actually something I did bring up earlier today. Yeah. You know, the possibility. Of, well, I mean, it's not that hard to become a registered corporation. I mean, you just kind of fill out some paperwork, drop some some dollars and just kind of go from there. It's just the, the, the licenses, of, the so licensing. Like, is yes. The, but yeah. when alcohol becomes involved, it's a lot more difficult. That's, tr- that's absolutely true. There's a big difference. Yeah. Deal with regulatory. Yeah. Boards. yeah. Yes. There's a difference between Pierce LLC and Pierce sells beer LLC. So <laughs> yeah. Not if you're not selling beer. Well, <laughs> yeah, you can name it. You, you can name it. Pierce sells beer and then just sell napkins. <laughs> yeah. You have to, it's actually like an, al- it's like an alcohol, like, regulatory commission or something like that that you yeah. have to go through um, and they have to like you know you have they have to approve your business model they have to approve all kinds of other things that you're doing to be like okay you can sell beer you're not just some like whack job selling beer to people yeah um, you probably have to have your facilities inspected and make yes. sure that they're sanitary and yes. pass mustard and pass mustard muster oh okay it's a word okay there's a lot of stuff especially with especially with stuff like alcohol and especially with beer and stuff like that that can like so easily get infected and go bad. Like, there's a lot of, like, stringent health policies that you have to go through to be able to do that. Yeah. So that's why I'd just rather brew it for a hobby right now. (laughs) (laughs) Whose hobby? What? Whose hobby? I don't know. (laughs) That was a dumb joke. I'll probably cut that. Yeah, that was really dumb. (laughs) What else? Do you have anything else you want to add to this? Not really that I can think of, unless we kind of want to talk about current trends, like, in beer. I can't really think of anything. We did. Well, I mean, yeah, we can talk about, I mean, the, the kind of takeover of the IPA. We can talk about, you know, it's seasonal. There's the whole big seasonal thing. Talk about fall beers, kind of what comes out in fall, a lot of pumpkin flavoring, you know, as opposed to summer, which is the lighter stuff. It's really not home brewing, though. So. That might no. be good to say for a second episode at yeah. some point. That's true. Just talk about beer. Jersey Shore like talks beer. Yeah. So. Beer, beersy Shore. Yeah. Beersy Shore. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I think we've pretty much covered the home brewing discussion. We'll probably come back in the future and maybe test some of the stuff you're doing now or or talk a little bit about how it turned out and beer in general. That's always fun. 
Um, so I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Pierce from Jersey. And I'm Dave. This has been Jersey Shore. Have a great week, everybody. And please remember to drink responsibly and don't drink and drive. Or pilot a plane. That's also bad. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> Boats are fine, as far as I understand. Train might be okay. I don't know. <laughs> as long as you have a secondary conductor. <laughs> you have your designated conductor. <laughs> have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at jordan at legionofdudes.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 972-798-3830, and just let us know that you're leaving it for Jersey Shore. You can follow me on Twitter at JordanFRMJersey, and iTunes ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for lots of great content just like it. Mm-hmm.